You're listening to NIS Voices, where we bring you inspiring stories about learning, community, news, and more from Nanjing International School. In the ever-evolving landscape of international education, the concept of joyful learning is gaining increasing prominence. For example, UNESCO's Happy Schools Initiative emphasizes the importance of happiness and learning, viewing it not as a trade-off with academic achievement, but as a vital component for broader and more effective learning experiences and outcomes. But what exactly does this mean in the context of primary education? And how does it reshape the way we think about our children's educational journeys here at Nanjing International School? Joining me is returning guest, primary principal, Jackie Patrick, to help us learn more. Can you explain what joyful learning means in the context of primary education and why it's important? Joyful learning for me, I guess, starts with the culture that we create in the school and the classroom, which is a safe culture of belonging where children come in and are already feeling comfortable and relaxed and ready to learn. There's no joy without safety and that sense of comfort. But from there, I think joyful learning is really about engagement. It's about curiosity. It's about children who are intrinsically motivated to learn and follow their passions and follow their interests. So they are so caught up in what they're doing each day that in some ways it doesn't feel like school or it doesn't feel like learning because it's a process that has such deep meaning for them. Sounds a little bit like my daughter. When she comes home, she just wants to do a project, mm -hmm. doesn't want to listen to what dad says. She's just in the zone, being creative, doing her thing. Yeah, you see this a lot with children, often on their own time, left to their own devices, particularly younger children who are just so primed and ready to learn about the world. They will engage for extended periods of time in projects or in creating or in thinking or in trying to find something out or experimenting. And they do it for so long and they're so engaged because it's really purposeful to them. How does the IBPYP approach foster joyful learning among students? Can you share some specific examples? Yeah, I mean, at the heart of PYP is a pedagogy of inquiry. And inquiry, when we do it well, I think, is a deeply personal process. It's really about children grappling with their ideas and their theories and following their interests and answering questions that are really meaningful to them. So in some ways, it involves a lot of what we consider, what we might think of as traditional school, in that there are things kids have to learn, you know, as they're going through that process. But the engagement from the children is really what drives it. I can think of a few examples. I know our grade fours at the moment are working on a unit on forces and are very invested in developing these rocket launches to see how far are the forces that are at play and how far they can launch that rocket. And they are, when I say they're invested, I mean, they are really invested. They are, they are failing. And when they fail, they want to come back and they want to tweak it and fix it and understand it and make it better. They want to explain to each other what makes one work and what makes another not work so well. There's a lot of science involved. There's a lot of collaboration involved. There's a lot of making involved. But when you watch them, they're completely engaged in it. We see other examples of children who are writing when they're given a choice of their writing topics. And this is the case for all children, but particularly kids who are just learning to write and scaffold when they're writing something that's of meaning for them, or they're writing something that they intend to give to someone else, to a younger student, a parent, to a friend. 
they really can get caught up in doing this over weeks and weeks and weeks and coming back and making it better and adding. And again, it might look like something that we normally do at school, that kids could be doing the same kind of process, you know, writing about something, writing a narrative or writing a procedure. But it's that sense of motivation that comes from them that I think really makes it joyful. In what ways does play-based learning contribute to joyful learning? And how is it implemented in our school? Well, play is really the way that children make sense of the world. So children will naturally engage in play. And what that looks like in our school is the teachers being really intentional in setting up invitations for children to come and play in a way that allows them to experiment and develop and challenge sort of theories that they have about how things work. So at the moment in one of our pre-K K1 classes, the children have created a whole restaurant area which they can serve guests. And in that, as we sort of look from the outside, we see them taking on roles. We see them creating and writing menus. They're at the process now where they're thinking about, well, how are people going to pay for the meal? So they've developed their own QR codes so we can all pay with WeChat because, of course, no one uses cash anymore. <laughs> so in this to and fro of dresser and designing and building, what they're really doing is showing us their understanding of the world. You know, how restaurants work, who's involved, what are the roles, what do we serve, how do we write down an order, how do people pay for an order. They're putting all of this together in a way that for them is so joyful looks like play, feels like play, but for the teachers, we really see what's going on. Could you elaborate on the role of student voice and student choice in the IBPYP? How does this empower students and contribute to joyful learning? It comes down to a, a few points uh, when we connect to joyful learning. And one would really be this idea of curiosity. And children, we listen to children's voice in different ways. Sometimes they tell us, you know, I'm curious about this. I want to find about that. How does that work? And sometimes we hear students' voices by watching them and seeing where do they go? Where do they linger? What are those facial expressions looking like when they're engaged in that book or reading? Or when's that look of puzzlement is another way we, we hear voice. And our response to that voice is to see what is making these children curious. Right? And you know yourself, if you're really the difference between engaging in something that you're really curious about and want to find out about and how different that is from completing a task that someone's asked you to do, they feel like two very different processes, right? And sometimes kids do a bit of both. But for the most part, we're really looking of that voice. And then with that comes choice, you know, often some structured choice around what they're telling us that really links to a deep curiosity. And with curiosity, I would say, comes an intrinsic motivation that children are exploring ideas or completing tasks or working on activities that they want to work on because they feel compelled to do so or because the finding out is reward in itself, right? Not because they've been asked to do it or they'll get a sticker or they'll get a point. How do you differentiate between joy and fun in the learning process? I mean, they're both good, right? Fun is good, but we don't design learning for fun. It's never a goal in itself. And when I think of fun, I think of fun as being something you can very much have separate from learning. Fun for me is short term. It's in the moment. Fun is not connected to learning in the way that joy is. I think joy is a much more nuanced concept and understanding 
when we look at joy as being tied to something that is personal and meaningful, when we tie it to engagement, sometimes joyful learning can look fun and sometimes not. Sometimes in that process of joyful learning, there's struggle and there's frustration, you know, and there's confusion. But we work through it because we're really quite determined to get to the end of the process. Fun is short lived in the moment. There could be some sort of external reward attached. It's good. It's good to have fun. Fun is, you know, never a bad thing, but we don't plan for fun. We do plan for joy. I think joyful learning really is at the heart of lifelong learning. We learn. People who continue to learn, who choose to continue to learn, do so because they're driven to learn. You know, and we're not, we're driven to learn sometimes by circumstance, but for the most part, we're driven to learn because we really want to know. We really want to find out more. We really want to get better. We really want to modify our theories. So children, I believe, who experience joyful learning, who tap in to that inner sense of who they are as a learner, who develop a sense of self-efficacy of themselves as learners. So they know that they can go out. They know they develop the skills they need. They develop the attitudes they need to go out and continue learning in the world. will do so because they see its value. Right? And, they, and they understand its value. It's very different from that kind of learning that says, you know, complete these worksheets, complete these problems, finish this, pass this test. And then when you walk away and you're like, Whew, done, that's over now, put it aside. It's the opposite of joyful learning. It's the process you have to go through to get a, to get a grade or reach a goal or get the tick and then you're done. Joyful learning is really connected to me through a process that never feels quite done or when something does feel like done enough for now your curiosity takes you somewhere else and you're ready to learn more so it's really about i think connecting to who we are as learners i think joyful learning really promotes lifelong learning in the end how can parents contribute to or support the concept of joyful learning at home i'd say the first thing is talk to your children about what it is they're enjoying at school, what they're learning about at school, what they're doing at school. If you're curious about the same things, learn together. Try to build something together, research together, try to perfect a new recipe together, whatever it is to model that process of learning something. I would say also to provide space and time for open, unstructured activity. It's hard to maintain sometimes that drive for learning if we are moving between, um, particularly in the afternoon where kids come home tired, if we're moving between a lot of structured activities where someone's telling us what to do, when to do it, how to think about it, to really provide creative materials at home, space at home, time at home or outside. When you see your children stop and look at something or ask a question. And young children often do it when you're outside, right? Walking around, run a walk. What's that? What about that? Look at that. You know, we're often in a hurry. We try to move them along. Stop, look, see what they're curious about. Wonder with them. Experiment together, being sort of open to the kind of things that they're curious about and giving them time to follow that line of curiosity. 